This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 11. Kelly Hurst. Brett Hurst. Hello. You are here and accounted for. We are marriage educators and we're also co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. The next level. Our hope is really simple. We just want to encourage you in your marriage relationship because we believe that healthy marriage should be a front burner conversation. And we are here today to help that happen. So in today's episode, we will be discussing affair-proofing your marriage. What do you think about that title? Of course I want to affair-proof my marriage. I, <laughs> I think everyone I wants can. to affair-proof their marriage. But I guess the more uh, to the point is, do you think that can really happen? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> of course I do. I think it can too, hence why we're talking about it in this podcast. When we teach engaged couples in our premarital class that we teach, we talk about affair-proofing your marriage relationship. Of course, nothing's an ironclad guarantee, but this idea about uh, placing, you know, kind of well-thought-out safeguards, boundaries in your relationship, so that the two of you don't find yourself in a painful infidelity situation, of course it's important. Well, we don't have to skim too many newspapers or magazine pages before we see it all played out in the culture, in the celebrity world, in a busy the year. professional sports world, and the political world. There are just really too many to name, probably. In fact, the conservative statistics are that 21% of men and 16% of women admit to having an affair outside of marriage. Yeah, that's, that's that's who admits to it. So you you yeah, know that's a conservative a number. Bigger number from that, our but, experience. I mean, even if those those numbers were true, that's still pretty sad. Although I get confused by those statistics because if only twenty one percent of men and sixteen percent of women like that doesn't add up, shouldn't it be twenty one percent of men, twenty one percent of women? Some, something's not <laughs> uh, connecting there. This this is what we do know. People don't set out to have an affair. No one thinks as they you know, walk down the aisle on their wedding day, you know, I think I'll have an affair someday. <laughs> Nor do most people wake up one morning and say to themselves, hey, this would be a good day to cheat on my spouse. So if that's the case, what are some of the things about our culture that might uh, be contributing to infidelity? Well, I would say probably the most obvious thing is that we live in a really overly sexualized environment. And what do you mean, overly sexualized? I mean, if you just think about media messages alone, you know, magazine covers, the internet, TV, music, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, they say sex sells, and that's kind of true. You right. Know, you really can't escape it. Yeah, and everybody kind of knows that, and, you know, that's a pretty undeniable fact. Would you say there's any positive side of that? Well, I was actually just thinking about this yesterday, but um, I do think it's good that we live in a culture that's, 
you open. can talk about sex and even joke about sex because I remember kind of growing up, things were a little bit tight-lipped and you didn't make certain jokes. And I mean, it may sound kind of weird or even, you know, kind of strange for like Christian parents to say this, but I kind of like that we can even joke about sex with our kids. Right. Because that was definitely not a topic of joking around in the house I grew up in. Right. <laughs> and um, and open conversations were, you know, at least at our house, just didn't really happen all that much when I was young. But at our house, they're, you know, fairly open. So the positive side of being in a very over-sexualized environment is that, let's say, in parenting, as an example, it gives you plenty of opportunities to talk about things with your kids, sometimes a whole lot earlier than you would want to. That's true. Unfortunately. But if you look at it as uh, positively as you can, it, it can even work in your favor for your family. So yeah. we have an overly sexualized environment. We're, uh, it's also a culture that's very unfriendly to marriage. You know, the divorce rate, some statistics say it's coming down. Well, the reason it's coming down is because the marriage rate is also coming down. Mm -hmm. Fewer and fewer people are choosing to get married. More and more couples are delaying getting married. And, and, if at all. And, and why is that? Obviously, it's all a reaction to the divorce culture. You and I are adult children of divorced parents. So um, we get that there's a, a <clears throat> fear. Scary. Yeah, it's a fear and a reticence for people to take the plunge because they think, well, it didn't work in our family of origin. So we're going to either be extra careful or we're going to avoid it altogether. Mm hmm Something else in our culture, I think, that contributes to this is busyness and busyness. being too busy. You know, we we Americans, for whatever reason, feel like we've got to have our kids involved in five sports and play three different instruments and, you know, youth group and all these different things, which are all good things. And we parents are working. A lot of times, you know, both parents are working full time mm -hmm. and you're raising kids and everything. And you, you know, I think back to summers when I was like in elementary school and middle school, they were very different times than the different pace. Yeah. You know, I just, even when our kids were really, really little, I remember lazy days by the pool, lots of them, you know, mm -hmm. during the summer, you just didn't really have this kind of overscheduled mentality. Right. I think when you are so busy that you can't really tend to your relationships you know, you kind of make yourself vulnerable to temptation or, you know. Yeah, we're working longer hours. We're, uh, like you said, kids are playing. When when I was a kid, we, we all played all sports, and it was easy to do because baseball season didn't overlap with football season, which mm -hmm. didn't overlap with basketball season and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. Now you can play baseball, <laughs> which we year did one round. year with our son, January to November one year. That. I think after that year, we decided never, never again. <laughs> well, what do you think about culture having uh, a little naivete to it in terms of um, couples not being um, really wise about the temptations that are out there and, and building some safeguards and boundaries into their relationship? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, you, you have to be thoughtful and wise and proactive in, in building in, uh, we're not talking about legalistic kind of stuff. We're just talking about being smart and putting smart boundaries and restrictions in your marriage for the sake of your marriage. Yeah. Cause I think most people, if they're honest would say, I just, 
I don't think that's going to happen to me, you know, or that's, in fact, I remember you and I had a conversation recently. We were sitting at Panera Bread and we were talking about this topic uh-huh. and I'm, I, I'm getting nervous. You know, <laughs> I said to what you, are you say here? I said to you, you know, um, you know, just on, in case it does happen, you know, make sure you come and tell me, don't try to like, <laughs> you know, uh, Keep it secret or whatever, and we'll work it out. And then I'll, I'll and, make sure I tell you, but I'll make sure I'm wearing a <laughs> bulletproof vest. Absolutely. First. Well, that's a given. But and then so any, anyway, we went back to reading in that conversation, and then you looked up at me and you said, "Well, you too." And I went, "Me?" Like <laughs> I didn't You're even cross my mind that that would happen to me. That you know, never happened to me. <laughs> but that's how people are. You know, we just don't really think that that's going to happen to us, and so that. So. Good point. So, so what kind of things can people do to make sure that it doesn't happen to them or, or you know, reduce the odds of it happening to them? Right. Well, I think the first thing is you want to make your marriage as strong and as healthy as it can be. Okay. And, I mean, they say, you know, we partner with um, – uh, a fair recovery center in Austin. I mean, I say partner, we use a lot of their uh, resources and we try to couples when we have to sit down with them and talk about infidelity, we try to direct them to their website. It's a really great organization out of Austin. But, um, I read a lot of Rick Reynolds stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the things he is pretty clear on is that not every single affair means that that was a bad marriage. Right. You know, sometimes someone just finds themselves in a, you know, wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. And they might love their spouse very much, but they just and, give into temptation or whatever. And Rick would say that there are a lot of different kinds of different af- kinds of affairs. affairs yeah. From exactly. the one night stand of things that are right. We'll have to unpack. We'll have to do a podcast on that, I think. But don't take anything the wrong way. <laughs> what we are saying, affair, bad, don't do affair. <laughs> do not cheat. Uh, but but that's, I think, the main thing is if you if you are working on your marriage and you're connecting and, you know, you're building in romance and friendship and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, it does, you know, it does keep your, your mind from wandering to somebody else. Right. I think that's just general. Keeps you focused. Common sense. And then like we said before, don't think you're invulnerable. Like my wife, even if it's never crossed your mind, don't be naive. You know, one of the most uh, common comments we hear is what Kelly said. I never thought it would help happen happen to me, but uh, but it can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something else I think that's important is what um, I heard someone call the Billy Graham principle, and that is apparently. I and I didn't. I don't. I didn't read this about him personally, but someone was talking about this, that that he never met or traveled or dined with someone of the opposite sex unless he was married or related to them. And, you know, you might think, well, God, that's extreme. I mean, you know, we live in the 21st century. How can I possibly, in a co-ed work environment, you know, not do that? That would eliminate a lot of lunches and meetings. But it was specifically to alleviate temptation as well as keep him above reproach. You know, he, of course, had a world-known ministry, and, you know, he had a responsibility to make sure that someone couldn't attack that that part of his life. But it really is a simple concept that if you're never alone with someone of the opposite gender, it's going to be pretty difficult to have an affair. So it's kind of common sense. Um, Jerry Jenkins, who's an author, said that if you take care of how things look, you take care of how things are. And he talked about um, he does kind of the same thing when he travels and so forth. He just kind of makes sure that he's, you know, really never alone with someone unless it's his wife or daughter. And he said sometimes it's awkward and a little embarrassing, but he would trade a moment of awkwardness for 
decades of a happy marriage and being above, above reproach in that way. Well, that way you don't have any regrets that you're sorry about later. Right. Another tip is don't flirt with anyone but your spouse. Mm -hmm. Some of us are quite prone to flirting. Yeah. I would say invest that flirtiness aspect of your personality with your spouse. Channel uh, it to her or him. That's right. <laughs> and I think a good rule of thumb too here is that, you know, if you say in a work environment, you know, you've got people you kind of joke back and forth with, and maybe mm -hmm. sometimes it gets a little flirtatious or whatever. If you wouldn't behave that way with your spouse standing right there, then you've probably kind of, of crossed the line, you know. What's the next one? Also, this one should seem obvious, but not to discuss your marital problems with someone of the opposite sex, unless that's maybe unless it's a counselor and your spouse is present. Mm -hmm. Why um, do you think that's important? Well, because what you're saying when you're doing that is that you've got a closer connection in that moment with that person of the opposite sex than you do with your spouse. Right. And so you're violating the pledge that you made your spouse that uh, he or she was going to be mm -hmm. the most intimate, most personal, most close vested person in your life. And so you're you're taking it in another direction. Yeah. And I think when you um, emotionally open up to someone about maybe issues that you're having in your marriage, that person you're talking to is automatically going to seem more you know, uh, sensitive right. and a better listener. Sympathetic. And, yeah. And my husband just doesn't understand me the way you do, you know, and all of a sudden you kind of find yourself crossing into a, maybe a dangerous, you know, place. Right. And then the flip side is, uh, don't listen to someone else's marital problems if they are of the opposite sex. That's a good rule of thumb uh, for the same reason. Definitely. You're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. We are continuing our conversation about affair-proofing your marriage. So, a hot uh, topic. That's right. So before the break, we had laid out uh, about five safeguards to put in place to protect your marriage relationship. And we actually have a few more to talk about now. Um, the, the sixth thing we talk about really is to guard against what are called emotional affairs. Okay. And, you know, sometimes two people are growing closer and closer. They're sharing a deep friendship. They're feeling a bond, you know, kind of a close intimacy. Mm -hmm. But nothing physical maybe has happened at all. Or right. maybe they don't intend for it to happen. Right. But yet you kind of find yourself in this very close friendship where you can really talk about personal things. And that's sometimes can be an emotional affair. And emotional affairs can be as dangerous as the physical affair. Well, and obviously they so often lead to physical affairs. In fact, it's pretty amazing how frequently that happens, mm -hmm. that it's 
less about sexual attraction in the first place. It's more this progression of, mm-hmm. of having a, an emotional type of connection first and then it progressing into that arena. Right. We actually have um, three red flags uh, to kind of help people decide if they're in an emotional affair. The first one is if your friend knows more about your interior world than your spouse does. Which we talked about. Yeah. So if you find yourself talking about, you know, your hopes, dreams, fears of life, and you don't talk about those things with your spouse, you know, you might be in an emotional affair. The second red flag is if you share intimate information with your friend, and your spouse is not aware of that. Okay, so why that's a, why is that a big deal? Because you're creating an alliance and you're creating a bond with mm-hmm. someone who's not your spouse, and that's just going to lead to you know further emotional intimacy. And you should be sharing that with your spouse. So I think what you're saying is we're wired for monogamy, truly, mm-hmm. even though a lot of us don't operate in that context. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the show on TLC? Was it still on? The show on TLC. The, uh, the Mormon. Uh, oh, oh, Sister Wives. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a mess. Uh, anyway. We won't do a podcast on that show, Thank I don't you. think. <laughs> I don't think I could um, keep things under control in that uh, conversation. But um, And the third red flag is, if you're trying to figure out if you're in an emotional affair, is if you're keeping secrets. You know, if you're texting a friend or you're Facebooking or emailing a friend and your spouse doesn't know about Mm. those conversations Mm -hmm. or those texts and, you know, you find yourself kind of keeping things from your spouse, you're probably in an emotional affair and you need to figure out a way to either tell your spouse what's going on or end that type of friendship with that person. Again, all this stuff that we're talking about here, we're not trying to rain on anybody's parade of connecting with people, but we're just in hard conversations with couples that are mired in emotional and physical affairs, and this is how you get there. You know, it just it doesn't happen overnight, so we're just trying to spare you a lot of uh, unnecessary pain. Yeah, and the truth is when we sit down with couples who are trying to heal and recover from infidelity, I mean, it is the it's just awful. It's Painful. an awful, awful experience. Painful and for us. every time we do it, I kind of wish that we had like a little camera or something going so we could show someone who's thinking about, you know, cheating on their spouse. Here, watch this, this, this video is, first. Yeah, watch this first because this is what you're going to have to deal with. And it's it's terrible. Yeah. You know, it really is. Okay. Another thing that's certainly going to help your marriage stay affair-free is to flee from pornography and all I mean, and what's pornography in today's culture? Pornography is very mainstream now. It's it's not even just a men's issue as mm-hmm. it was when uh, it seemed to be when I was a kid. Um, now one in three people who access porn on the internet are female. Uh, I think it's even higher than that now. It's not a bad idea to use internet filters, even though they can be a pain. They even have filters that can track your sites and allow an accountability partner to see what sites you're accessing. That Mm -hmm. may sound ridiculous to some people listening, but I have been an accountability partner to some guys who who have done that, and uh, it's it's been real helpful in keeping uh, people on track. If you travel for business, uh, guys or ladies, ask the 
hotel that you're staying in to block the adult channels if that's a, a temptation for you. Obviously, you want to be careful on Facebook, email, and texting. We do we use social media a whole lot. Mm-hmm. We use Facebook a lot. It's a great tool, but don't be fooled by the so-called privacy aspect mm-hmm. of Facebook. There's very little about Facebook that's private. <laughs> and even the, the pockets of Facebook that you think are private are going to potentially get you into trouble if you're not wise. Mm-hmm. So um, all this just brings a temptation out for you to, to say things uh, that you shouldn't be saying, to open yourself up in a way that you might do in person. There have been tons of articles written now about how many marriages have been destroyed by old boyfriends and girlfriends mm-hmm. reconnecting each other on and Facebook we have definitely and, yeah. counseled people that that has happened to so mm-hmm. it's a real thing technologically speaking we've never lived in an age before where it's easier to keep secrets than it is right now mm-hmm. but that's a myth too because eventually things play out and and things come to light so mm-hmm. guard your eyes guard your mind guard your heart uh, guard your words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when we were when our kids were little, we would used to, you know, encourage them to kind of guard their eyes, particularly if we were in a place where, like, I remember we would always go to Barnes and Noble, and we'd have to walk through the magazine section to get to <laughs> Starbucks, and there's just a lot of crud on the front of magazines that right, right at their eye level, sadly. And so I remember us walking through, and I just kind of quietly said, you know, guard your eyes, you know, kind of, they were pretty little. And I turned around and they were literally walking with their hands, like little blinders next to their eyes. And I was like, that's so cute. I mean, it would be nice if we could just put blinders on in our world, but we can't, you know, we just have to be really smart and wise about it. Yeah. They're grown now. I would love for them, love for them (laughs) to to still have blinders. Exactly. Uh, Another tip is don't tease your spouse about flirting with other people or, you know, we've been with couples before where uh, I've heard like a, a, I remember this one gentleman was talking about someone at work finding him hot, you know, and I Mm. I remember the look on his wife's face was just like, wow, really? I don't really need to know that, you know? Not a good idea. I think sometimes we do that maybe out of a little insecurity or or whatever, but um, we just kind of need to keep those kind of comments off limits. I think we don't need to really tease our spouse like, you know, in that arena. Yeah. What do you think about that? I definitely agree. <laughs> I have teased you on many things over the years, but never, <laughs> never that. <laughs> not even one time in that area. So, uh, another tip is to be open to letting your spouse be the barometer, uh, if you will, of what is appropriate. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this in other is words, so what, key. whatever, in our case, whatever you say is inappropriate, even if I think, well, I don't really don't think that's impro- inappropriate. Yeah. If you think it's inappropriate, it's inappropriate. Yeah, that kind of needs to be the barometer. And a great example of this is I remember in high school, I had this friend of mine and his dad was a big high up uh, exec VP for, you know, one of the big NASA companies. And um, he had like two or three um, secret, they called them secretaries back then. Now they're in administrative assistants, but you know, two or three women who worked in his office mm-hmm. and um his wife actually did all of the interviewing and hiring love it. for those positions. And I remember thinking, that is genius. I mean, because he didn't care what they looked like. All he cared about was that he had talented women who could work in his office and keep, you know. Efficient. Yeah. And so his wife would interview them, and she would hire very talented, very smart 
slightly homely looking women <laughs> because she did not want these, you know, hotsy totsies walking around in high heels around her husband all day. And I mean, I just thought that was so brilliant. Smart and guy. it's not like we can all, we don't all have that option of being able to do that, but get creative about, you know, in, in that man's world, mm-hmm. what his wife deemed appropriate was the law. And right. I think if we operated more like that, like we'll sit with couples sometimes who they're fighting over, you know, one one person wants to be friends with their college sweetheart on oh, Facebook right. and the other spouse is like going, I'm really uncomfortable with that. Well, you shouldn't be uncomfortable with that. Well, get over but it. You know, yeah. <laughs> if your spouse is, yeah, this is the person we're married to, you right. know, so we just kind of need to learn to let that be the rule. They're uncomfortable, let it go. Yeah, exactly. And then finally, the most important tip uh, is to pray for yourself and pray for your spouse about these types of safeguards and just just pray for purity for both of you, you know. It's important. Yeah, we tend to uh, underestimate what prayer can do in our marriages. You know, if you want to be married 25, 35, 50 years, 60 years or longer Mm -hmm. together, you don't want to get derailed. You know, even though they say that in affair, in um, I'm sorry, in marriages where affairs were present, that the affair only 25 percent of the time was the was cause, for the, cause di- for the divorce. Yeah. Was the cause for the divorce? It's still a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, affairs yeah. do not work out well. And, <laughs> no, they don't. And even for marriages that recover from affairs, and that is good news. It, it is very possible, and we have been allowed to be helpful to a lot of couples that have come back from affairs. Man, is it hard work. Yeah. It is so It's about hard. the most unsexy thing that you can imagine yeah. is to recover from an affair. It's awful. Um, so we, you know, try to put an action step, you know, to our listeners. And we just want to ask you, you know, thinking about the safeguards that we've talked about today, which ones do you already practice? Mm-hmm. You know, some of these, you, we've gone through the list and you might think, yep, already do that, already do that. That's great. Um, out of the safeguards that we talked about today, are there any that sound a little too extreme for you maybe, but how could you maybe modify that? You know, maybe the idea, you know, maybe you can't interview your husband's secretary, but what is a safeguard that you could modify, kind of thinking on, along those lines? Right. And then can you consider these safeguards being a gift to your spouse? That's kind of how I think about them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't typically, I, don't, I shouldn't even say typically, I don't think I've ever had lunch with a male that's not my dad <laughs> or my son, that's, you know, unless you're with me. That's just kind of a general yeah. rule of thumb. And I don't think that's extreme. Some people might look at that and go, wow, I don't know if I could really do that. But I look at that as a gift to you, you know, because you don't have to. And I accept that gift. <laughs> I'm glad you do very well. <laughs> well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org, or you can email us at thehursts at homeencouragement.org, spelled H-U-R-S-T-S. We also want to thank our fab engineer, Zach Alkire, for making us sound listenable. Also, we want you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, until next time, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.